0: on relationships right now and uh, tonight we're going to talk about the forgotten relationship our relationship with ourselves Um, we could say a lot but we're going to try to keep it short and sweet and let you guys talk for a little while afterward Um, to begin with uh, first oh actually I'm going to bolster some of these announcements go to summer conference okay but we've already said that trust me it's an awesome time just trust me don't question uh Authority. Like an no, the it's fine. Did experience. you say that sounds like an unhealthy president? Precedent. Huh? Yeah. 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 All of that. Um, also, uh, if you are interested in servant leader team, please come talk to me. Uh, essentially what you guys do. And thank you for your recommendation, Gideon. Um, you get the chance to be a part of what actually goes on in RUF uh, with planning different events and things like that. But also you get to spend time with me. Uh, a little bit more time maybe than you would normally get. Thank you. Yes, someone thinks that that's a good thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and I would love to spend time with all of you more. Um, we get to talk more about a lot of the stuff that we talk about here at Large Group, but um, other things as well, and uh, discuss with a team and grow with a team the faith and, and grow in our faith. So please let me know if you want to talk about that. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll open our Bibles to John 9. Uh, if you have a Bible, or if not, don't worry about it. Or you can look it up on your phone or any of the... You, you all have it memorized. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and for the time to be together here tonight. We pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would minister your Son, Jesus, to us. That You would give us his presence. That You would help us to know ourselves better. That You would teach us to know ourselves better. And you would teach us uh, how to relate to ourselves and how to ultimately relate to you uh, more wholeheartedly because of that. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay. John chapter nine. Starting in verse one. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeking. If you skip down to verse 13, you'll see um, these words. They brought to the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, blind man, what do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes, he said, he is a prophet. Um, I'm going to grab my water first. Sorry. Thank you, Jake. You're welcome. I just wanted to give us an awkward pause to reflect on ourselves before we begin. Um, Okay, so uh, know thyself. I'm sure you've heard that. It's the line of Socrates in one of Plato's works. I don't remember which one. Uh, You've probably heard it before. I don't know exactly what interpretation you've heard of it. Sometimes people give others flack for saying that, maybe especially in Christian circles. I'm not really here to debate what it means or whatever, but I am here to tell you that actually the scriptures give us really good reason To know ourselves and they talk about it frequently actually Uh, the proverbs teach us to consider our ways in many places that's kind of the language of the proverbs to consider our ways proverbs 27 verse 19 teaches us to reflect on our actions and our persons when it says as in water face reflects face so the heart of man reflects man There's a rich history of uh, Christian self-contemplation. Augustine of Hippo, who is about as famous as it gets in the Christian church, uh, lived a long time ago, and he wrote a whole book about his life in which essentially he contemplates his inner person, his motives and desires and actions and thoughts. And he contemplates specifically who he was and is, before God. And he did that before any existentialist philosophers told him to do so before anybody told him to take responsibility and leap into the void and uh, all the other stuff that comes with that. Uh, I think the history of Christian self contemplation and self knowledge is summed up really well in John Calvin's opening words for the institutes of the Christian religion in which he says nearly all the wisdom we possess that is to say, true and sound wisdom, consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. So when this theologian wrote that, I think he had something broader in mind than just self-contemplation, than just self-knowledge, but certainly he's including that. And the rest of his works bear that out. Uh, What he means most directly is that when we take a good look at ourselves, as we really are, all of our potential, all the good things about us, our creation in the image of God, uh, our sin and depravity, the things that we don't like about ourselves, the things that have happened to us, our problems, our hunger for something more than the world in its current state can really offer. When we look at all that, it leads us to contemplate God in our relationships with him. Uh, We need him. We're designed for him. We are far from him apart from Christ. And even in Christ, we see and feel the decay of our own selves and the world around us everywhere we look. So the point of this then is that we would look inside For a little while at the prompting of the scriptures, uh, both in obedience to it to know ourselves and with its guidance, so that we would have an authentic relationship with God in which we bring our whole person to him, not hiding anything, but bringing everything to him, sin, faults, problems, everything. Uh, To do that, we need to deal with who we really are, And I'm sure that you're wondering what John 9 and the blind man have to do with knowing ourselves. It didn't say anything about knowing yourself. Uh, I think this is a great illustration of what we're talking about tonight. Uh, John 9 has, has to do with what we're talking about. This specifically, we have to deal with who we really are. If you look at the questions Jesus gets asked by his disciples about the blind man, they're basically this. Was this man... At fault for his blindness, or were his parents, whose sin is responsible for what's wrong with this guy? And Jesus, uh, as he, like classically does, he, he does this all the time. He almost always goes the route of you're asking the wrong question. <laughs> he he says neither. He was born blind so that God might be glorified in him. Uh, the disciples want to know whose sin caused the man's condition. See, there's this assumption for them that like uh, when things are going well for people, when they have money and they're healthy, they're obedient to God, right? So they would look at rich people. This is why it was so surprising to them that Jesus said it's hard for a rich person to enter heaven. They look at rich people and think like things are going well for them. They must love God. They must keep the commandments. And then they might look at somebody like this guy and say, well, there's got to be sin there." there. There's an assumption with them and probably with their culture at large Uh, Not based in the scriptures that they had, not based in the Old Testament, but something that had built up over time. There's this assumption that if something is going wrong, it's somebody's fault. Um, Maybe that's not even what the disciples are asking, actually. Maybe the disciples are really trying to get at a question of fairness in asking this question. I don't think we should entirely discount that. Maybe they're actually being a little more philosophical than we... uh, give them credit for, but still Jesus raises their thoughts beyond what they're asking, right? He, he enters into what they're saying and he, and he takes them up to the next level. This man did not cause his own blindness and his parents did not cause his blindness, but God ordained that he would be born blind. I hope that you feel tension with that. I think it's a healthy thing to not just pass over that and be like, Oh, well, God said it. It's, it's good to feel some tension with that, that something is very wrong with this man. And Jesus said, this was actually like this by God's design. This happened so that God would be glorified in him. Um, our lives are totally in God's control. And while that's actually one reason that we can accept ourselves as we are we can accept god's providences and know uh, by the truth of the gospel that we have a loving father a good creator we can in god's providence accept who we are accept how we've been formed over time accept even our own decisions and how we've contributed to become the people that we are today it's also not the full story though Uh, we, we still have to deal with this fact that life is essentially out of our control. We are in control of the things we are in control of, but those are very few things. (laughs) This man was born blind and he didn't ask to be born blind. Like who would? He didn't ask to be born at all though, actually. Uh, He didn't choose to have the parents that he had uh, or the skin color or the hair that he had. And neither do we. None of us choose any of this stuff. Who chooses to have the talents that they have? Who chooses to have the weaknesses that they have? The man born blind had no say in being born blind. And he didn't get to choose many of the things that we also don't get to choose. Um, There's a tension here that that God ordained all of this for his own glory. We should feel that. Um, And yet again, I think there is this point that we can take hope in this. That Jesus said it was done for God's glory. Now I'm going to give this, but we're going to come back to talking about something else later that I think is. uh, Should should take even primacy over over the sovereignty of God as we consider God's control In all the universe, in all of history, we can take some comfort in this, that he has a plan, that this wasn't willy-nilly. The guy wasn't born blind randomly, and it wasn't just some sort of judgment on him for something he hadn't done yet or something somebody else had done. This was according to God's plan. And it can begin to make sense. Our story can begin to fit into God's story. It can begin to have a context. It can begin to have a satisfying whole when we see that God is in control and when we see his glory, when we get a glimpse of God's glory, a glimpse of who he is, when we look at Jesus, the kind Savior who was willing to give himself for people like us, the one who went around and commanded nature and cast out demons, I think we begin to get some sort of idea of the fact that like, oh, this is actually, this is more important than the things that happen in my life. This is more important than than the individual themes of my life or the strains in my life. Not that they don't matter to God, please don't hear me saying that at all, they matter very much, but that there is something bigger and more beautiful. And it gives our stories something that they can actually fit into. Uh, but still, we have to deal with this. We have to deal with who we really are. Um, we can take hope in that. But we have to keep moving. We need to go a little bit deeper with this. Uh, one day, you're going to find yourselves older than you are now. And you're going to have like a little bit of a gut forming on you, maybe. And maybe your hair will be thinning just a touch because you have three kids and you don't have time to um, exercise and, you know... It, it, balding it just comes for a lot of us and you can't do anything about that and all of your athletic prowess is gone um, because you've entered your 30s and all you do is sit Um, this is a hypothetical (laughs) Uh, but you're going to find yourself in a position where you have lived a lot of your life and a lot of things have happened to you that you can't control and your own body is changing and the circumstances you find yourself in are largely out of control and They are largely a mixture of the choices you've made. And you can't go back and change those. You can, you can move from here now from wherever you are, but you're going to find yourself in a place where the past is unchangeable and the past is what has formed you and past you (laughs) has formed you. Uh, I love the way the Avett brothers say this in one of their songs. They said i knew a woman who said oh if i could only just turn back the clock when i was still scared and my hair was still dark and my hands were clean but now all my choices are spent and the men that i knew they don't know what i meant and cupid's arrow is backwards and bent when it's fine for me we find ourselves in a pl- i know it's really depressing um, we find ourselves in a place though where our choices can't be changed And we can't do anything about what people have done to us or how they've reacted to us. Relationships are not going to go the way that we always want them to. And all of this is going to form who we are over time. This all kind of accumulates into who we become and our reactions to it and our choices in this. In this complicated sphere of God's sovereignty where he is directing our lives. This is all going into who we are. We all have to deal with this. Right now, you have to deal with the decisions you made yesterday and the decisions you made a year ago and the decisions you made three years ago and beyond, right? And you're dealing with who your parents are and who your family is. There's a lot going on. And God has ordained for all of us to be born into these circumstances and families that we didn't ask for. Uh, One of the easiest and and maybe most lighthearted ways to point this out I've kind of already done this with that hypothetical situation um, is sports right if you're 5'5 and 130 pounds you are not going to be a center in the NFL it will not happen and I'm not saying this to hurt anybody's feelings here it's just reality right you're destined for something else and I hope it's great but it's not the NFL And even if somehow you could surgically be changed to be 6'5 and 300 pounds, right? Like you got the Captain America drug or something. You would never be able to escape the fact that your early life had been lived in a very different way. I hope you all grow to have happy lives and families and friends, but you'll never be able to change what your family was growing up, good or bad. And none of us can escape the fact that we live in a fallen world like this blind man. All of us are suffering under the curse of sin and we can't escape that. We can't just choose our way out of brokenness. So there are many things uh, we can't change about ourselves. But that's not all bad. Uh, Maybe in a way we've painted that in kind of like a it looks like a dire situation, but that's not all bad up to this point. We've been talking about who we are right now, but I want to talk to too, about our design. This is really important to knowing ourselves. And actually this was really important to that quote I read earlier about, uh, the true and sound wisdom that we have being in knowing ourselves. We have to go back to our design in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he moved on to create man and woman. And he made us really good. Y'all are incredible. Sometimes we forget that. You're made in the image of God, and you are amazing. And your bodies are good, and your souls have been made to reflect him and to be in communion with him. You are intelligent (laughs) and strong. There is so much amazing about human beings. Uh, People are many things that's good, actually, And, and, and we need to recognize that. When we talk about all the things that are wrong with us uh, or we think about the things that are wrong with us, we have to remember that that's not the whole story. You have to remember how to define uh, what is wrong with you and how to define what is right with you, what is good. God has made you, according to a certain pattern, after his image, good. And... Sin and the effects of sin are what's wrong with you and what's wrong with me. But that doesn't mean that everything about us is wrong. And it means that not everything about us is right. Uh, When our bodies don't work according to God's design, that's an effect of sin. That's something worth being discontented with. That's something worth... Recognizing that we, along with all creation, groan and wait for Christ's second coming. We hope for healing, like this man in John 9 who is born blind. Not because of his sin or because of anybody else's, but because in God's plan, that's how his story played out. But then there is also sin itself. When we lie, when we hurt others, when we cheat or steal or when we're jealous or when we commit idolatry and try to get what we can only get from God from people or things. That's something that's wrong with us in a different kind of way. Uh, That's something we need to, to change or to be changed. Something we need forgiveness for. But sin and sin's effects on us are wrong because they're not what God designed us to be. So we, I want us to remember what God did design us to be. Uh, even in our present state, right now, you look how God designed you to look. You sound how God designed you to sound. You have the voice he gave you. He put you in the body he intended you to be in with the talents he wanted you to have and the family relationships he wanted you to have and the intellectual capacity and interests that he wanted you to have. He created you limited so that you need sleep and food and you can only be in one place at a time. Uh, Maybe those several things are some of the things especially you guys tend to think are bugs and they're actually features. We tend to think those are something that's like a product of the fall. And actually that's something God wanted for us all along. These are good ways that God has designed us. Um, I was reading an article uh, several weeks ago called "Is Instagram giving you porn face. And it was an interesting article and in it, it's, it's largely about beauty and the makeup culture of Instagram. I'm not really familiar with that, but um, yeah, believe it or not. Uh, someone in that article, though, quotes this uh, in, in a sort of defense of a moderate use of makeup. I'm not trying to make statements about makeup necessarily so much as about the emphasis we place on beauty. And she says this, I'm not down on caring about your looks. Beauty gives you a head start It makes people pay attention. It's important, but it is a state of mind, not a prescription from a tutorial. Using makeup and fashion to express who you are in a way that's true to you is a means to communicate your identity and find your tribe. It'll help you find like-minded people who will propel you in life. That is using beauty in an empowering way. Um, That sounds great, I think. But we have to step back and look at it. I think, from a, a bigger point of view. Uh, there is a problem with that. And it's this, that you don't need to look any different than you are. <laughs> there are so many things, there are so many features of us that we try to change. And it's not just that we do this with our faces or whatever. Again, pl- please don't think I'm like making some sort of attack on beauty products. But it's that we try to change who we are. We try to change the good things about ourselves often. We try to change the features. Our focus so often moves away from what's actually wrong sin and the effects of sin onto things that are good, things that God has designed us to be. We do it with all sorts of things, right? We try to go on four hours of sleep and um, no offense, anybody have like eight minors along with our two majors or something, right? And we, we just, we try to fill every waking moment of our days and we try to, Act a certain way in certain groups And in some ways that's Fitting and it's natural But also we don't have to change who we are There are so many good things About God's design for us Um, Okay So anyway We need to reflect on who we are And what we are Uh, And we need to recognize what is good in us What God has created In us And recognize what is wrong with us. Um, So on a practical note, how do we learn ourselves? How do we do this in a healthy way? Uh, Well, examine yourself. It takes time to learn to do this in a a healthy way. Uh, it, It actually is kind of a skill. And it's a skill that takes time to build and to understand. But we can begin by simply... Uh, taking a look in and, and taking time to think about who we are, what our interests are, what our gifts are, what our weaknesses are. Proverbs 27:19, as we read earlier, says, As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects man. Um, that's man like humankind. Uh, it applies to everybody. When we look in, when we look into our desires, our motives, we find who we really are. Matthew 12 records Jesus saying, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And Mark 7 says, There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. So the idea here is that we can look at certain things about ourselves, we can look not only at our feelings and interests and motivations, but we also can look at what our actions reveal about us, what our words reveal about us. Jesus says they come from the heart. Well, what in the heart are they coming from? When we find ourselves doing things we don't want to be doing, it's always a good idea to ask, why am I doing this? Where is this coming from in my heart? Am I trying to satisfy something? Am I afraid of something? There are plenty of other good questions I can't think of right now. Um, But where is this coming from in my heart? This is a great way to learn yourself. Jesus says this reveals who we really are. Um, Another way to do this, interestingly, is not entirely going inside of yourself and seeking the answers in yourself or just finding any experience you can to look inside. One way we can do this is actually to practice what we've been talking about all semester in relationships, to practice community. Listen to others. Ask others what they observe about you. Uh, Proverbs 12, verse 15 says, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Uh, This is a, huge theme in the scriptures that we can't discern our own ways not all by ourselves that we can't see ourselves accurately too often we have a log in our eye we need the help of others we need the church we need community we need people around us who can speak honestly to us and encourage us or wound us in the way that a friend does faithfully We need others who can ask good questions and help us reflect. Uh, One good way to do this, to get to know yourself and reflect on yourself, is confession. When we confess our sins, we learn something about ourselves. I'm not saying that's why we need to confess, but it is important and reveals to us where our hearts are. What are the sins we're confessing? I think you can find a great example of that in Psalm 32. And I would suggest going and looking there and seeing what it is David thinks about himself, what it is he's learning about himself from confession, what it is that's so useful about that for the Christian life. And then consider this, that there is actually a mold for humanity. Often we want to break free Right We want to be liberated from the ideas and expectations of others, and actually, in a little bit, we're going to come to the right way of doing that, but also we have to look at God's Word and find what it is that defines humans and what defines us. There actually is a mold that we are designed to fit into, and it's from that. It's when we live according to god's law, it's when we live according to christ's person and character that we begin to find who we truly are. A great way to uh, learn about yourself is to go read the Ten Commandments. See what you keep and what you don't keep. See what you're prone to and what you're not prone to. And then taking Jesus' word seriously about what comes out of the heart. Ask yourself why. If I'm supposed to be a just person who loves God and loves other people, What do the Ten Commandments reveal about me then? Am I actually being an authentic self when I'm not loving God and loving other people, the two things I'm designed for? Paul says it like this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, being true to ourselves or being our true selves is not just doing whatever we want. It is discovering who we are meant to be in God's world. So you will discover who you are meant to be as you consider these things, as you listen to others. And as you do all this, But ultimately, I want to bring us back to to John 9. We'll discover who we were meant to be when we encounter Jesus. When Jesus makes us right with God the Father. Uh, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, and so on. This man who's been born blind, he comes to Jesus with need. He's got nothing to offer Jesus. And yet, what is the reaction that we see of the Pharisees? They're just really mad that Jesus healed somebody on the Sabbath day. What's the problem with the Pharisees? They're always coming to Jesus with this sort of like projected self. And we can't judge them too harshly. This is what everybody does with everybody else. But they do it with Jesus. They, they project this hologram version of themselves where they think they keep God's law and they think they've got the right to judge the son of God. And, right, They're always coming to him with this, this self that's not accurate. That's not real. They present him with something that's other than who they actually are. And yet the man who comes born blind and just wants to be healed. The people all throughout the Gospels who come to Jesus looking for healing, admitting their need, bowing down to Jesus, begging for help, kissing his feet, those are people who know who they are. Uh, what's, What's the difference between these people? What's the difference between people who are authentically themselves now and have an authentic relationship with Jesus and people who can't stand themselves and don't want to let anybody else in and don't want a real relationship with God. Ultimately, it's this. It's, it's whether or not we've caught a sight of who Jesus really is. See, the gospel has this amazing ability to free us to be ourselves. We've talked about the constraints of God's law and how people are made to fit into uh, some sort of mold. But as C.S. Lewis says, the inside is much bigger than the outside. (laughs) Often we look at a mold or a pattern or some expectation that religions have for us or communities have for us or institutions have for us. And we think that's so restricting. No one could be themselves there. And yet it's almost exactly the opposite in God's economy. That to be made right with God is to be made free to live according to his ways and to find out that his ways are actually not restrictive. They're life giving. But that only happens when we encounter Jesus, when we're made right with God and find that we have nothing to lose and nothing to hide. Jesus gives this little foretaste of the future when he heals this man. That's what many of his miracles are. They're this sort of like inbreaking of the future. The future when all things will be made right. When sin will be no more and sadness and blindness will be no more. And he gives this little this little foretaste of the future. And we have that to hope in as we face things like the effects of sin. But Jesus made that possible by going to the cross for us. He made that possible by justifying us, making us right with God, giving us all of his own righteousness. See, when we know that we've been made right with God on somebody else's account, when, when we have the righteousness of someone else, and we don't have to produce our own, and we don't have to fake it. That's when we're actually freed up to take a good look inside and examine our actions and not be afraid to listen to what others have to say to us and admit the worst things about ourselves. To say, yeah, I'm actually a lot worse than I thought I was. And I don't have to be scared to admit that because I know that God loves me a lot more than I thought he did. This healing, this foretaste of the future, it's secured on that. It's secured by that very thing that Jesus has made us right with God. And he already begins to work in us this sort of resurrection life, this sort of healing by making us right with God, by bringing us back into communion with him and back to the person you were meant to be. And this way we're able to be honest with ourselves and with other people and with God and find ourselves in an authentic relationship with him without fear because his perfect love has cast it out growing in faithfulness and learning more and more about him and ourselves. Uh, Let's pray. And then we've got some questions for you guys. And we'll take a few minutes to talk about that and be done. After we sing again. Yeah, okay. Okay.